I've had a passage of scripture that's been on my heart all this week. It's First Peter chapter 2. And I've been, I've been thinking about a lot of things. And, and my dad used to say this all the time. He used to say that, talking about, you know, real, uh, well, he sure talks like Cody. <laughs> he, got that, he got that Cody vocalizer, I tell you what. But Daddy used to say all the time things like, he'd say that you'd watch different, different, I hate to say this, but showboat-style ministries and things of that nature. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of showmanship in the church that shouldn't be there. And Daddy used to say in the last days there wouldn't be any more showboats. They'd either go out as warships or they wouldn't go back out. And, and, and I was thinking about this week, but I was thinking about 1 Peter chapter 2, and I was thinking about the church. And, you know, there's been a long, long period of time in my lifetime where the church could kind of hide under the radar. To where, in, in a lot of respects, the church and the world don't look that much different. The only real difference between the church and the world is that the church gets up on Sunday mornings, puts on nice clothes, and goes to church, sits in the church for about an hour and a half, and then they go back home. And everything else is very, 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 very comparable. And here's why. Because there was not such a stark divide in the beliefs of the people who lived in the world and the people who were in the church. If you watch, we're watching before our very eyes the crumbling of our society. I'm just telling y'all like it is. I, I, listen, God didn't call me to sugarcoat. Truth is truth, and you're watching the crumbling of our society. You're watching before your very eyes the dissolution of our country. The, mor the morality of our country is gone. I I'm going to just give you a few, a few points here. I remember even when I was a kid, and I'm, not, I'm old, but I'm not that old. But I remember growing up when they would talk about things like abortion, even people who were pro-abortion, they would use terms like this, safe, legal, and rare. That's not the term that's used anymore. Now they say, shout your abortion. There have been people recently who have said abortion is love. Self-love. Self-love. You know what that is, guys? That's the spirit of the Antichrist. That's what that is. It's not self-love. Listen, it's not okay in the nation we live in for people to kill unborn children so they can further their career. That's not okay. And the church knows that's okay. But more and more and more, we're becoming a divided nation, but we're not becoming a divided nation because of political ideals. We're becoming a divided nation because of cultural and moral ideals. So what I'm saying to you, what you need to understand is there is a very big difference between those of us who choose to serve God and those who do not choose to serve God. That you, you are not going to fit in. I'm going to get where we live this morning. You're not going to fit in with friends of yours that don't serve God. Because as, as society is being shaped, as society is being shaped, the farther and farther down the hill that the world goes, if the church can't stand on the top of that hill as a beacon of light, where do they come back to? Do you know the number of young people, Jake could probably give the exact percentage, but the number of young people who come from professing Christian homes that do not believe in the biblical definition of marriage? I got news for you. Marriage is marriage between a man and a woman, and that is what marriage is. Period. Period. You know how I know that? God's Word says that. 
God's word says that. If you want to, and you'll, if, you want, if you don't believe that, come to me after church. I'll show you the passages of Scripture where it tells you that. You say, well, what about this? It's wrong. Doesn't change the way God feels about anybody on this planet. God loves everybody. God loves me. He don't like my sin. But I want you to understand something. You and I, if you're going to follow God, you're not going to be the same as people who choose not to. I've told you all a lot of times, when I was a kid, we were weird. We were weird. You know why? Because we lived in a home that honored God, not on Sunday mornings. But 365 days out of every year. Listen, my father's morals were not different on Sunday or Christmas or Easter than they were on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. I never had to wonder where he stood on certain issues. I didn't even have to ask him. I never had to wonder whether I could do certain things. You know why? I didn't have to ask him because I knew without question. Wasn't like, well, I wonder what dad will think about this. If you would tell me an issue, I can tell you with him gone, him dead and gone, I can tell you what he would think about it. That's all right, leave it. Don't worry about it. I could tell you exactly how my daddy would feel about something. Whatever the Bible said. That's it. There was no negotiating principles in our home. Listen, dad and I, we could negotiate opinions. We could discuss opinions. But if it was a fact from the word of God, my dad did not care what my opinion was. It meant nothing to him what my opinion was. It, it did not. Well, I don't feel that way, dad. Okay. Okay. Well, son, you better just hang in there till your feelings catch up with the word. <laughs> He'd tell me the same thing his mama told him. said, you're going to just have to borrow my morals and integrity till you get some of your own. Well, no games about it. Because my dad understood what I'm going to talk about this morning, and that is we are a peculiar people. And see, I'm gonna, you need to understand something. We, we, live, we live in the, in the age of where your peculiarity and my peculiarity is going to be more evident than ever before. Listen, there are things that my Bible tells me to be true that I know are true that people look at me and say, well, you're a bigot. I'm not a bigot. I believe the word of God. I love every single human being that breathes air on this earth. But my Bible tells me how I'm to live my life. Do I always live up to it? Absolutely not. You don't either. But my strive, my goal is to live up to the principles of the word of God and to hold those as the standard by which I live. And when you do that, you will be separated. See, everybody says, oh, Jesus, Jesus, he, was, he just come to love everybody. Jesus said, I, came, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. See, don't nobody want to talk about sword, Jesus. See, the Bible says he came full of two things. Grace and what? Truth. See, you know you can't actually have grace without truth. Yeah. 
Because grace is designed is not to tell you you're okay. It's to move you from being where you are to being okay. And you know what, you know what tool God used to do that? Truth. See, if I ever read my Bible and it doesn't get a hold of me in places where I'm missing, I'm not actually reading my Bible. If it's not, getting, if it's not jumping out at me and saying, hey, you need to fix this. The book of James says it's like a man. It says like a man who walks and looks in a mirror. I want y'all, I'm going to show y'all what that verse means. It says, man, who looks in a mirror but promptly walks away and forget what's, what he looks like. Here's what the word of truth is. The word of truth is my mirror. Come here, Rod. It's like when Rod's standing here and Rod's got things going on in his life and the Bible says, ding, 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 ding. It's like looking in the mirror and if Rod walked up the mirror, had a big old smudge across his head. And he looks in the mirror and he sees the smudge. There it is. And everybody else can see the smudge. Rod sees the smudge when he looks in the mirror of the word. But then he walks away. Go on, go sit down. But the word said, hey, bro, you got a smudge. Here's the smudge. Come on, let's take care of the smudge. The Holy Spirit says, let's take care of the smudge. But what happens is we quickly walk away. See, the reason it's so important to always be staring into the word it's because otherwise you walk around with a smudge all over your face and you don't even know you got it there. And everybody's looking at you like, why don't that dummy clean that dirt off his face? The word is a teaching tool. It's a training tool, but it's a training for those of us who believe it. See, what separates us as peculiar people from this world should be that one set of us believes and adheres to the word. The other set considers it folly. See, my father gave his life to what the world calls folly. The preaching of the gospel is considered folly by the world. But see, it's not considered folly by those who know. I've had people come up and tell me, they say, I've got a friend who's an atheist. How do I convince him to believe? And this is what I always tell them. Tell them all the time. I heard this somewhere. I can't remember where I heard it. It says, to them who believe... No explanation is necessary. To them who don't believe, no explanation is good enough. See, I know what I know what I know what I know. Because I know it. Because I know that I know that I know. And you can't tell me that it's not true. And it don't matter how long you try to tell me that it's not true. Because the Bible says to know is to know with experience. I have experienced things you can't take from me. I've experienced things around the altar of God that you can't take from me. Your reason can't take it from me. What you think, how someone feels, whether or not I'm supposed to be empathetic to a situation, it can't take the realness of my God from me. When I celebrate the home going of a saint, I celebrate. I celebrate. When my daddy left this earth, I celebrated. You know why I celebrated? Because for over 50 years of his life, he preached about a Christ and a cross and salvation. And all I could think about was what it must have been like when he got to see what he had preached about. Amen. Years and years of preaching to the pearly gates. And this, this morning, this morning, my, my, my Paul, everybody called him Paul. Paul Paul walked into heaven. And he looked around and he said, I have sung the songs of the pearly gates. 
And there they are. I've sung the songs all over this world of streets of gold. And now he walks on them. You can't take that from me. But because of that, because of what I know, listen to me now. I have a responsibility to what I know. I got to read because I got to hurry. Kind of. I don't know. Apparently, Pastor Bill can go two hours, so we're good for a while. How long? Hour and a half. That was for children, so we can go at least two for adults, huh? I don't know if I got three in me, boss. Y'all gonna, to, y'all gonna to, listen. Y'all gonna to have to respond better if I got three in me. I preached almost two hours at Jeff Thrash's one time, but they they much better at responding than y'all. Are. Jeff trained his people better than me. First Peter chapter two says this, verse one: "So be done with every trace of wickedness." Depravity, malignity, and all deceit and insincerity and pretense and hypocrisy. Whoa. Do you know why people always say the church is full of hypocrites? Because it is. (laughs) But so is Walmart, but people still go there. Listen, the church being full of hypocrites, if it keeps you out of church, it's because you don't want to go. Walmart and Winn-Dix is full of hypocrites, too, and so is the movie theater, but you still show up there. But the reason people say that is, guess what? It is. It is. The Bible says, be done with all hypocrisy. Be done with every trace of wickedness. It says, and grudges. Be done with grudges, envy, and jealousy, and slander, and evil speaking of every kind. It says you're supposed to stop all that foolishness. See, you know, the very thing that some people try to say, well, listen, I can do anything I want to because grace covers me. He says you're supposed to be done with it. It might cover you, but you're supposed to be done with it. If you want to go around being an immature child and having to hope that 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 covers it, fine, but he says you're supposed to be done with it. That's supposed to be behind you. See, there are, there's an expectation in the Word of God of a person who commits themselves to the Word of God. There's an expectation that we will grow up. The very things that we say, oh, well, God, God, that's, God covers that. God, God's grace, thankful for God's grace. He says, yeah, you have my grace, but stop doing that. Well, the Apostle Paul said, should we use the grace of God as an occasion to sin? He said, banish the thought says where the grace where sin doth abound the grace of God does superabound but the grace of God is supposed to be a transforming agent not something that says well I'm just going to continue to live the way that I've always lived because what kind of testimony is that if you have unsaved friends and you should have unsaved friends you should have unsaved friends. But if there is no way to tell the difference between you and your unsaved friends, you are doing it wrong. Amen. And if your friends who are unsaved will not accept you unless you act like them, don't hang out with them. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes they are not going to want you to. Because don't nobody want a clean person to show them how smelly they are. 
Don't nobody want a clean person to show them how dirty and smudged they are. When your life reflects the Word, it will show other people their smudges. And they're supposed to. It's supposed to. Because how will they know? Unless there's a preacher. Everybody in this room, your life is a preacher. Is it preaching the word? Or is it preaching what's comfortable? Let me tell you something. The word of God, if you live your life following the word of God and the dictates of the word of God, you will make circumstances and situations awkward. You may make some family gatherings awkward. You will make some conversations awkward. You're supposed to. Supposed to. There are some places, if I go to these places, I feel very uncomfortable. Listen, there was a time in my life that I felt real at home on a bar stool at a bar. That ain't the time now. That's, I'm not in that time. If I walk into a place like that, I feel very uncomfortable. And I hope I always do. Because if I ever get where I don't feel uncomfortable... Listen, there are some times when a movie or something to be on television and there'll be some language that comes across that movie that make me feel uncomfortable. You know what I do? I turn it off. I'll say, well, I'll just press on through that. You know why it makes you feel uncomfortable? Because it grieves the spirit that lives within you. If something begins to grieve your spirit, it means you're not supposed to be involved in that. If the things of this world don't grieve your spirit, we need to check ourselves. I'm telling you, this is good preaching. This is what testimony looks like. This is what having a testimony looks like. It says, like newborn babies, you should crave and thirst for and earnestly desire the pure, unadulterated spiritual milk. That by it you may be nurtured and grow into completed salvation says you ought to be hungry and thirsty after the milk of the spirit spiritual miracle milk of god and the meat of the word so that you can grow see if i have no appetite for god's word that's a me problem i'm telling you that's a me problem people say i just don't like to read the word why 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 don't we like to read the Word? Why well, don't want to be... Let me tell you something. If I ever get to a point where I don't want to be in the Word of God, I know exactly what it is. It's confronting me and I don't want the confrontation. The Word of God is never boring to me. It, but when it confronts me, and I know it's going to. I know it's going to, and I'm like, I don't feel like it today. I don't feel like the confrontation. Well, here's what the problem is. It's like anything else you have an appetite for. You turn it down one day, the next day it's easier, 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 and before long, you don't even consider picking your Bible up. The Bible is the logos of God. It is the, it is, it is the complete revelation of God, who he is, what he desires, and what he believes, and what the will of God is. And anyone who loves God should want should want to be in his word. Should want to be in his word. 
Listen, you know how many Bibles lay around this country? You know how many people who don't ever darken the doors of a church, they got a Bible in their house. It is the most sold book of all time. Big old family Bibles. It's got dust covering them. But here's the thing. It's never going to get in here if we don't get in it. And if it never gets in here, it's just like laying on the table. I got to keep moving. Verse 3, since you have already tasted the goodness and the kindness of the Lord. See, you know, when you get saved, all you feel is love. It's the most amazing feeling. You get up from, from, from surrendering your life to God. You ain't mad at nobody. You ain't upset with nobody. All you, you, you're like, I don't even know who this person is. I just feel love. I'm not angry all the time. I'm not frustrated all the time. But let me tell you something. Once you taste that goodness and kindness, there is a responsibility to dig deeper into that. But I'm going to tell you what will happen. That mess will get back on you. I'm just telling you how it is. It has to be a constant walk. Apostle Paul said, I crucify this flesh daily. I die daily. I have to daily resubmit myself to the Lordship of Christ. Because there is a, there is a line to be drawn between who other people are and who God's people are. Say, so well, I might miss out on something. Nothing good. Nothing good. Say, how do you know that? The Bible says, every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. And whom there is no variableness, no shadow cast by his turning. Verse 4. Come to him then to that living stone which men tried and threw. Look at this now. I'll show you where we're at. I'll show you the dividing line. This is what it looks like. This is the only thing that divides. This is it. And I'm going to tell you something. In the world we live in, I'm fixed to show you the divide we're coming to. Listen to me. I'm not talking about a political divide. That ain't the divide. This is the divide we're fixing to come to. This is the divide we're fixing to come to, and I'm fixing to read it to you. And every day you can see it shaping up. If you're actually watching and not talking about who's mad at who with politics and what garbage, because I'm going to tell you something, most of Washington, D.C., if you turned a plane over, they'd all fall out and hit the ground at the same time because they're all full of the same thing. <laughs> I'm not saying there aren't some good politicians in our world, but I'm telling you this. If your hope is in that, your hope is in the wrong place. Because there is a dividing line that is being drawn in our world. And it's not being drawn along, along, along geographical boundaries. It's not being drawn along political lines. It's being drawn along what I'm fixing to tell you. And as Jesus gets closer and closer to coming back, the line will become more stark and more stark and more stark. The division will be greater. Listen, anyone who thinks, oh, we're going to have somebody that's going to unite, what, what will we unite? Nothing to get where we live. I'm fixing anybody who's got their hopes in what some politician's going to do, I'm going to jump right up where you live. What will be united? Those of us who believe that a newborn baby is a gift of God and people that believe you should be able to kill it up until the time it's born? Where, 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 what is going to be the common ground there we're going to find? The people who stand and say that God made man and woman and the people who stand and say, well, if you want to, you can be a man if you are a woman. Where are we going, where are we going to bridge that? 
And you know what? It's getting wider and it's getting wider and it's getting wider and it's getting wider. And here's why it's getting wider. Because somebody's going to have to say, this is the God in whom I believe. And you have some people that say, I don't believe in a God at all. You know, more and more people in our world today say they don't believe in any kind of a God. Any God. You know why? Because they choose to serve at the altar of self. Because they choose to serve at the altar of self. See, when I acknowledge that God exists, I acknowledge that He is superior to me. And that He is the Lord of my life. People who don't want to acknowledge that is because they want to be the Lord and the God of their own existence. There's no way to bridge that. There's no way to bridge a thing that I've watched my father give his life and health for and somebody that says that's folly. Where do we find the common denominator in that? Listen, y'all ain't got to amen. I know I'm right. I can read the Bible. See, the beautiful thing about it is, is I don't care if anybody amens. Don't bother me one bit. I know what God told me to say. I know what God's told me to preach. And if people don't like it, just between you and the Bible, not between me and you. I have no issue with it whatsoever. But it says this, Come to him, that living stone that men tried and threw away, but which is chosen and precious in God's sight. See, you may not know this, and this may not, you may not agree with this, but I don't care if you agree with this. The nation that we live in, based on what you see, was founded on a principle that there is a God. And He is the God Jehovah. So here's the deal. When you get to a point in a world, you know what? There was a time when all of human society believed in a God. When you get to a point to where people say, oh, there is no God, tried it and threw it away. See, what's happened, my dad used to say this all the time, but what's happened is we live in a world where people have become educated beyond their intelligence. They have become educated beyond their intelligence, and we have a class of people in our world that they believe that they have become educated to a level of superiority, but what they have actually done is they have taken the nature of man and the nature of God, and they have thrown the nature of God away. When you live in a world that throws away God, I'm telling y'all the truth. If you'll open your eyes and look around, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. A world that spits in the face of God. There is a, there is a, a, a unbelievable, unbelievable attack on the family unit. Do you know why that attack exists? Because that is God's unit. Because God made the family unit to raise children, to raise grandchildren, to raise great-grandchildren, to establish legacy, to pass down generation after generation of sound doctrine. And the world is attacking the family unit. Because they're attacking God. You know, they don't hate you. They hate Him. They don't hate you when you live your life in accordance with the Word of God. They hate the fact that it shows their smudges. That's why most people in humanity try to find people that are worse than them to hang around with. If you're the most successful person in your circle, get a bigger circle. If you're the most godly person in your circle, get a bigger circle. Because what people typically do is they find people who are worse than them so they can feel better about themselves. See, when you live your life in alignment to being a child and a servant of God, you show people their smudges. 
I'm preaching better when y'all are responding, but it's okay. We ain't getting three hours. Y'all ain't responding good enough. <laughs> Verse 5 says, Come and like living stones. Watch this now. Come and like living stones, be yourselves built into a spiritual house. We're going to live here just for a minute or two. Do you know why this is so important? Because what God is doing every day is building Alex. What God is doing every day, the purpose of serving God is that God every day is building Tiffany. He's building Dylan into what it says here is a spiritual house, a spiritual place of dwelling and a spiritual place of safety and a spiritual place of stability. But he says, you got to submit yourself to be built. I'm going to tell you this, and you may or may not like it, because I don't like it when God tells me this. The things you consume are building you into something. The choices that you make in life are building you into something. But are you being built into a spiritual house by God? Are we letting culture build us? Is the Word building me? Or social media building you? Is the word building me? Or are movies and television and radio and internet building me? Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm now old enough to have watched as television commercials. Television shows are constantly warring and tearing down the fabric of a godly society. Everything we see, Sean, everything them kids face is tearing down the fabric of a godly society. And the only thing that stands between that and that being torn down is men and women of God who will stand up, hold the line and say, this is what God's word says. It may make me unpopular, but it doesn't matter. People that are willing to say, I submit myself to whatever correction necessary to build me into a spiritual house. I watched men and women of old, the, the, kid, the people I grew up watching, the people I, I grew up you know, seeing the, the, their lives lived, and they were spiritual houses. You know, they didn't have some of the revelation knowledge of the word that we have now, but they had a dedication that we don't know nothing about. And they submitted themselves to be built They submitted themselves to the process of being matured. And so their faith stands the test of time through the legacy that they left. See, I, I can tell you that I know exactly which side of an issue my father comes down on, whether he's here or not because of the word. My hope is that my son will be able to do that and that his son will be able to do that. But I'm going to tell you something, church. If we don't get to the point where we're willing to be separated off The word sanctified means what? Set apart. If we're not to the point where for the, for the sake of the call, the sake of the word, we're willing to be set apart, what are we leaving to the generation that follows us? 
Men of the garrison, every, every, we, we end that with that. Every single week we do the oath is to, to live our lives as an example to the generation that follows us. What do we want them to grow up to look like? Listen, my, my father's generation of men, my father-in-law's father who passed away, my, my papa, his generation of men, they stood for what was right if the world was on fire. They stood for what was right if the world was on fire. Call them anything you want to call them. Act any way you want to act. Look at them any way you want to look at them. If the Word of God said it and they knew that it was right, it was right and it was right and they were going to stand on that. I've watched the church compromise and compromise and compromise and compromise for one purpose, and it's to fill seats. But now watch what I'm fixing to tell you. What's good? What, 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 good, what good is a seat full of, a room full of people that don't know the truth? What good is a room full of people? What good is a church of 10,000 people that don't know the truth? See, I could walk into a ten, I could walk into a church that had ten thousand people in, it, in in the United States of America right now, preach this message, and half of them would leave. Half of them would leave. You know why? Because they're like Gideon's men who laid on their face and lapped water like a dog. Now watch this. You got to be a person of uncommon courage to stand in the face of a society that is crumbling and say this is the truth. You can't be a person when God said told Gideon he said you got too many men. You got too many. He said take them down to the water we'll do a test. Every one of them lays on their face and laps water. You don't want them. You want the ones that are on alert. You only want the ones that take a knee and dip the water with their hand and drink it because you don't want to go into battle with a bunch of men who lay on their face and expect things to go right for them. But you want to go into battle with men who are alert, who are active, who are watching, who are vigilant. See, you can't serve God in the day and age we live in if you're not willing to be vigilant because you will find yourself down a path where you are compromising the values of the Word of God If you were a parent, don't be laying on your belly lapping water. You better be on your knee with a cupped hand being vigilant because this world is after your children. And it will sneak in in places you don't see it. I'll go ahead and kick the elephant in the room. If you plop your kid down in front of Disney Channel, you are crazy. I will kick that elephant. I have no problem kicking that elephant. If you don't know everything your kid is watching, everything your kid is reading, everything your kid is seeing, you are not being vigilant. Because I'm telling you, this culture is after our children. We as, church, we as the church, and I'm just going to be completely honest with you, I might as well, I'm just feeling it this morning. We might as well go on. If you get mad and leave, I don't care, leave. We as a church world in my lifetime have watched, and I'm going to say it right here, and you need to hear what I'm telling you. We have watched and allowed a public school system to poison our children's minds. 
You know why? Because parents don't even know what their kids are learning. See, what happened, everybody said the world blew up after, after COVID. No, you know what happened? Parents actually saw the stupidity that their children were being taught in online learning. And they said, hey, hold up, wait a second. You know what actually happened? For the first time in my lifetime, parents got involved in their children's education. They said, oh, wait a second. Whoa, whoa hold on a second. Why are you teaching my four-year-old or five-year-old kid about gender fluidity? You know why? Because parents haven't been vigilant. Listen, we wouldn't have brought that home from the schoolhouse because my mama would have known. But see, we're, here's the problem. We're 25 years down the road with this. Because yeah. all this happened all of a sudden. No, man, it didn't happen all of a sudden. They boiled the frog slow. Yeah. They boiled the frog slow. Oh, look at this foolishness. No, it's been coming. It's been coming. Listen, when, you, when a kid goes to school, they need to teach them how to read, how to write properly without text speak. They need to teach them how to do actual mathematics. My wife has a friend who's a professor at University of South Alabama, and she regularly returns term papers from college students because they're written in text shorthand. He gave me some text shorthand. Listen, if you ever text me anything, don't text me any of that stuff. I don't know what any of it means. You better spell the word out. And I don't know what your little faces mean either. They're called emojis or something. I don't know what them little faces mean neither. Don't send me that foolishness. Tell me what you're trying to say. And honestly, call me. If your text is longer than eight words, call me. I'm not trying to read your book. And sure enough, you don't want to get in a texting conversation with me because I'll be like. And it's just like my phone, just like doop, 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 doop. And I'm like, I have to number which question I'm answering. Because I'm like, how do you type that fast, people? I'm all like, yeah, yeah. If, if you're typing me paragraphs, you better pick the phone up and call. I am not responding to that. Well, I guarantee I ain't reading it. (laughs) You guarantee I ain't reading it. But the church, the people of God, we were so busy doing everything else that the world around us hijacked our children. Oh, we're going to park here a minute, too. Okay, God, I'll, I'll say it. You can't stand on the promise of train up a child in the way that they'll go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it, if you don't train up a child. See, so don't come to me whenever you, you haven't been in church at all. You've been running everywhere, and your kid's 21 years old, and they believe all this foolishness and say, train up a child in the way that, did you train them up? 
Because if you didn't train them up, what promise are you standing on? What promise are you standing on if we don't train up? And see, to train up a child, it don't mean drop them off with Pastor Bill. See, I got news for you. The book of Proverbs don't say, Pastor Bill, train up all the children in the way they should go. And when they get old, they won't depart from them. What would you say if I told you it is not this church's job to train your children? It's not Pastor Bill's job. It's not Pastor Sean's job to train your children. It is their job to pastor them. It is your job and my job as parents to train them. My kid's off the rails. I got news for you, baby. Your kid's been off the rails since they were four. It just didn't show up till they got 15. You know, 15-year-olds who are off the rails were 4-year-olds who were off the rails and 6-year-olds who were off the rails. Train up a child. I see kids, man. I'll be walking through the mall. Not the mall. I didn't go to the mall. What I'm saying. <laughs> I say that because I had to go to I had to go. Listen. No, listen. I had to go to the mall yesterday. That's why I come to my mind. And I'm walking through, me and Brandy walked in the mall. She goes, we don't ever come to the mall. I don't want to go to the mall. I said, no, I don't want to either, but I had to go to Dillard's. I don't, oh no. You know, people standing there at them little booths and always want to run out and talk to you. They must be something about the way I look. I don't ever get accosted. <laughs> I can't tell you, I, 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 I walk through there. It's almost like they make eye contact and they just keep, keep no, that's Okay. I'm pretty sure he don't want to buy the Dead Sea Scrub hand cream or whatever. <laughs> whatever else it is they're selling at the time. I had a fellow in the mall in, where was that? Uh, was in Birmingham at the Galleria. And one, this guy, he was insistent. And he was selling Dead Sea s Salt Scrub or something. Huh? Bro, I'll show you how to handle that. Bro, I will show I'm glad they're soft, Cody. I will show you how to handle that. I'm glad you got soft mitts, Cody. And we're walking through there. Me and Brandy are walking through there. And this guy comes out and he starts asking us about it. I said, sir, I'm not interested. Okay, I feel like that should be enough. Well, then he starts sliding around in front of my wife. And I said, sir, I'm going to tell you one more time to back up. Well, I said, Now. He got, he, I told him one time, very, very politely. But when he got up in my wife's face, that's a whole different matter. Listen, you can do anything you want to to me, but you touch my wife, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Y'all laugh. People that know me know I am not joking. There are some people in this world I will happily go to jail for. Hey, at least say it in a manly voice. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> I've told Jason a long time, I said, when Anaya starts dating, you'll still have to walk her down the aisle, man. My kid is grown. If I have to kill a boy, I kill him. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> and I will gladly tell her first boyfriend, I will go to jail if I need to, son. <laughs> Can you imagine the poor boy that Anaya brings home? Oh, listen, 
And poor old Waters' his kids, man, we'll all be there. That's going to be so much fun. I'm sorry, I'm going to get back where I'm at. It says, be built into a spiritual house for a holy, dedicated, consecrated priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. And I will say there just two seconds. It says you're built into a spiritual house so that you can offer sacrifices to God. I'm going to tell you something, and it's not popular, but it's true. Serving God is not supposed to be easy. It should require sacrifice. But it should be the greatest sacrifice of your life. You can have joy and difficulty. But there will be difficulty. For thus it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a chosen, honored, and precious chief cornerstone. And he who believes in him, who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on him, shall never be disappointed or put to shame. This dividing line right here. This is where the dividing line is. He said, look, God says, listen, I put a cornerstone. And those who believe in him will never be put to shame. To you, to you, watch this, verse 7. This is it, this is that line. Verse 7 and verse 8. To you then who believe, who adhere to, trust in, and rely on him, that is the preciousness. See, see there was a time in all of our lives and should always be in our lives. And there was a time in the church world where Jesus was precious. See, we sang that song this morning. We've been singing it all my life. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. But man, I grew up watching saints of God stand around a room and meant it. Listen, my grandmother, there was nothing, there was nothing in this world more precious to my grandmother than Jesus. And when, you, when you're around her, you knew it. You knew it. Listen, you could have anything you wanted to going on in your life. When you walked in my grandma's house, there was peace. I could take you to my granny's chair, the spot in that house where her chair sat. And you could, when I, once she had been gone for years, I could sit in that chair. And feel the peace of God. Because to her, that was the preciousness. See, we have everything in our lives that's precious, and none of it is. They're having fun out there. We may have to go get them. Is the preciousness, but look at this. But for those who disbelieve it, watch this. The very stone which the builders rejected has become the main cornerstone and a stone that will cause stumbling. He says, to those who believe, that cornerstone, that's the precious. But to those who don't believe, he becomes a stumbling block. Listen, you need to understand something. The war in our culture right now is not a Republican-Democrat. It's not a this. It's not a that. It is a stumbling block versus the precious. People who hate the church and hate the word, they hate it because the word of God, because the cornerstone, Brother Rick, makes them stumble. It says, we'll cause stumbling and a rock that will give men offense. They said, if you are surprised that people are offended by your faith, don't be. 
If my faith doesn't offend some people, my faith is not going right. I'm, being, I'm telling you if, you, if, 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 if the way you live your life is not offensive to some people, we are not living our lives lining up with the Word of God. Sean's got it. Youth Pastor Sean got him. He's getting them. I'm telling you, I see the finger wagging. Somebody, they in trouble. Hey, good job, man. I couldn't done no better myself. I saw the finger wagging and everything. I said, Youth Pastor Sean is on the case. A stone that will cause stumbling and a rock that will give men offense. They stumble because they disobey and disbelieve God's word. It's our line. It's our dividing line in this world. I'm going to hurry, I promise. As those who reject him were destined and appointed to do. Listen, this is not a shock to God. Listen, church, the condition of our world should not surprise us, and it should not surprise God. The lines are being drawn for those who look at it as a stumbling block. The lines are being drawn by the people who were destined to deny and to ignore God, and those of us who it is precious. I can tell you there have been times in my life where I don't treat my faith as precious. I take it for granted. I take Jesus for granted. I take the gift of Jesus for granted. If there's anything in my life that I count more precious than Jesus, I'm doing it wrong. It says, disobey and disbelieve the word as those who reject him were destined and appointed to do. But you, but you are a chosen race. Being chosen requires, being chosen means we have responsibility. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people. That you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and... Huh, huh. Everybody likes, whoo, we a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation. Ha! A special people. I'm special. So are you, Rod. (laughs) Amen. But it says, so that you may do what? Set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you. We've been set apart from this world. Bob says we are in this world, but we're what? Not of this world. See, the other scripture says we're to occupy until he comes back. And we're in this world, but we're not of this world. He says you are a dedicated people, but you were designed and you were built and you were created by God to set forth. To set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He says my responsibility My responsibility is to set forth the standards. I'm going to let y'all in on a little secret. If I told you that the world didn't drag the church down, would you believe me? You should, because I'm going to show you why. 
Because the church sets the standard. And what has always upheld the standards and the morality of the world that the church is in is the values and the morality of the church. The world can't pull the church down. But as the church lowers its standard and its respect for the house of God and its respect for the word of God and its respect for the standards of the word of God, there's nothing to hold the world up. The world, the world didn't start slipping first, guys. The church did. The church did. Christian homes did. See, all my life I've heard people say, we got to get prayer and Bible reading back in schools. Get it in your house. Get it in your own house. A church that began to slip in its own values sat by and watched the government take prayer and Bible reading out of the church. Our job, our job as people who believe is to hold a standard for our lives that lift others. See, when I chose to serve and follow God, I had friends that quit me. But here's what I want you to understand about them. I've had a many of them have come to me. And my deal is this. I'm much more concerned, much more concerned with the eternity of my friends than I am whether or not they want to hang out with me. And I'm going to leave y'all with this. And then Janet's got an announcement she needs to make. There are real people in our world going to a real hell. And the only chance they have of staying out of that hell is the light you live before them. But you can't live just like they live and expect them to see anything that can bring about change in their lives. I wish all of y'all would have heard Brother Boone talk about the number of students he had through 30, 35 years in the classroom or 37, 36, 36, I was right in between. 36 years of teaching in the classroom, the number of students who came back to him after they had graduated and told him, we knew you were a Christian. We knew you were a Christian. And we knew we wanted what you want, what you had. Students that he never stood up and preached to but his life preached to them. But his life preached to them, listen to what I'm fixed to tell you, through the standard he held. Through the standard he held. Because see, even when, they did, when he didn't know they were watching, they were watching how he interacted with the other teachers. They were watching how he was when he was going in and out of the teacher's lounge. They were watching how he was at the ball games. They were watching how he conducted himself when he went to the soccer games and went to the swim meets and went to the games. He, they were watching. And they said, hey, right there, there's something about the standard of his life. And there are young people Young people you don't even know about yet that are going to heaven because 
Mr. Boone held a standard. There are people now watching our lives. And there are, listen to what I'm fixing to tell you this. There are people in this world who have denied the truth, but there are people in this world that don't know the truth. And the only truth they'll ever know is the truth they see in us. I'm not done, but I'm going to quit. <laughs>